this is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Support the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. Welcome to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. This is Linus Wilson bringing it to you from Cologne, Panama. So we were a little late with the podcast this week uh, because we had a midweek weather window that included our Wednesday release date. We had a two-day passage, which really turned into about two and a half days because of engine problems. Uh, It started out with pretty good sailing, and then as we got closer to Panama, the winds really died down. So if you think about Panama, one of the reasons why it's such a great place to avoid hurricanes is also the same reason why the winds are undependable. So, there, you know, Panama is essentially in the intertropical convergence zone, a.k.a. the doldrums, which is a lot of unsettled weather, a lot of squalls, a lot of thunder, and certainly we went through a lot of squalls and thunder. And so, on, you know, I, I think the first day uh, we got some pretty good winds, and we carried a, a lot of sail the second day, too. But that second night, uh, I was getting a little nervous. So we reefed down to a, a double reef main, and we just kind of ran the, the uh, engine. And so about 1 a.m., I hear the engine turns off, you know. And given that I had measured wind speeds of zero knots earlier in the night, I was, you know, kind of, concerned the engine was off and my crew member Stevie got a couple warning lights one of them was a charging light and another was a cooling light so I thought well this must be a broken belt problem we've had many of those before we had one uh, when we went from St. Petersburg to Venice on on this particular summer's trip and what I found was that the the belt was intact, but the fresh water pump, which circulates the antifreeze solution, it it had actually broken. The three eight inch piece of steel had like just split in two, and you know, luckily, I had done a lot of soul searching about what were the good spare parts to have for the engine and so one of the experiences that me and Jana have had uh, from owning our two boats is how often they were towed and you know what did the mechanics have to do to fix them and it always uh, turned on do you have the part to fix it or not and in this case, we did have the part, and I, I had the tools to do it, and uh, I was able to, within several hours, to put on the a new water pump, which was not cheap. It was, I think, it was uh, between four to five hundred dollars when I purchased it as a spare, and I'm gonna have to purchase another spare because I don't have a spare anymore. But uh, it was certainly better than getting my boat towed into Cologne, Panama, which I'm sure would have cost a lot more and certainly wouldn't have been 
as elegant as going under your own power. That was kind of the big eventful thing. You know, just in general, there were just squall after squall after squall. Most of them were really uh, light winds, and, you know, we really never hit a high wind squall on our trip, even including the, the trip from Cayo Largo, or if we even go back to uh, all our offshore trips on this this summer's trip uh, from Pensacola. But, you know, you just never know when you're going to get that really high wind squall. I'm kind of used to, in Louisiana, getting a lot of squalls in the summertime, and they're usually pretty high winds, but these Panamanian squalls, a lot of them are very low winds, and occasionally you'll get a really high wind squall, which I haven't observed yet. So, we're back in, kind of back into civilization now. You know, one of the things I really missed uh, from, you know, being in Cuba, being in Providencia, was good shoreside toilets that had a uh, toilet seats, which are very rare. Both those places that flushed well. Never really found that, and, you know, that supplied you with toilet paper. You know, you can bring your own toilet paper, but you can't really bring your own toilet seat. The other thing that I guess I missed, those are the modern conveniences I missed in Cuba and Providencia, shoreside showers, and also uh, being able to have uh, air conditioning without refilling a generator with gasoline all the time. And so that that probably made me leave Providencia a week or two earlier. <laughs> Otherwise, would have because we were just really uh, sweating it out pretty bad in uh, Providencia and also Cayo Largo. Here we are. The air conditioning's working here, and we're gonna try and explore Cologne and some other places uh, while we wait for my favorite ladies. Jana, who is the voice on the end of this podcast, and Sophie, who's the voice in the beginning of this podcast, are going to join us in Panama. I guess uh, one of the other drivers that was made me want to leave Providencia a little earlier than later and not work, wait for the perfect weather window, uh, but a, just a good one was that I, you know, I started realizing the weather pattern in this part of the Caribbean and another weather router, I think, commented on it that, you know, you have these waves of squally activity and high winds that come from the low that sits in Colombia perpetually, kind of centered around the Maracaibo area of Colombia, and it comes and starts moving northwest, and, you know, sometimes it'll hit Providencia, sometimes it won't, but, you know, I guess my general feeling is that you're running a big risk. The waves, you know, one of the waves became Tropical Storm Colin, uh, which hit Florida. I think a lot of the tropical storms start out as waves and so if you watch enough of those waves go by eventually one of them is going to be a tropical storm that's going to hit you and, and so that was that was the 
part of my thinking. But, I, you know, I really didn't understand the weather patterns or hadn't put any study into the weather patterns prior to coming to Providencia. And it took me a couple weeks just to, to figure out the pattern that was there. This episode is sponsored by Jennifer Clark's Gulfstream. Satellite oceanographer Jennifer Clark and professional meteorologist Dane Clark have over 35 years of experience helping sailors on blue water voyages. Their current charts, crossing waypoints, and personalized weather advice help sailors take advantage of favorable currents and minimize the impact of unfavorable ones. A link to their website, their email address, and their phone number are in the show notes. So this week's guest is Dominique True Love of SVC Wolf. Many of you have probably seen his videos. He and his wife and their dog Bear and now their new son uh, have been doing a lot of sailing in the Bahamas and Western Caribbean. And I'm really interested in his talk because he talks about uh, the some of the customs policies with regard to pets and I'm always happy to to have to hear about a young couple uh, I think they were in their 20s when they started their trip that are going out there and seeing the world by sailboat we talk about the beginnings of their trip and their travels to Providencia and Cuba and the Florida Keys and the Bahamas And as a bonus episode for patrons only on patreon.com, you'll get to hear about uh, some of their more exciting uh, stories uh, where they believe they were almost boarded by pirates in the Caribbean Sea and much more. In addition to Jennifer Clark's Gulfstream, this episode is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. Our newest patron at the first mate level is Fred. Uh, Thank you, Fred. And as part of being a patron, he gets the bonus interviews since episode 10 and also gets a free MP3 copy of the audiobook of How to Sail Around the World Part-Time and a free... PDF copy of Slow Boat to the Bahamas. So let's hear what Dominic Trulov has to say about his sailing on the SV Seawolf. Tell me your name and the name of your boat and uh, who you sail with. Yeah, well, my name is Dominic Trulov and uh, I sail with Sarah Trulov. And we sailed with our boat, or we sailed with our dog, Bear, who we uh, endearingly call Bear Bear. And the name of our boat is Seawolf. And we named uh, we named the boat, obviously, after our dog because she kind of looks like a wolf. I saw your dog. It's a very big boat dog, and it's also kind of a northern dog. It's kind of like a sled dog. Yeah, yeah. Our dog, the breed of it is called a Native American Indian dog. And it's a breed out of Michigan because Sarah's allergic to German Shepherds. So we got this breed because it's uh, hypoallergenic for, for Sarah. What kind of boat do you have? We have a 2000 Grand Soleil 463, 
Okay, so 46 footer. And I've never heard exactly, of that. It's a 47. Oh, it's 47 footer. Okay. But it's called a 463. I've, I've never heard of that make before. Oh, you never heard of it? Yeah, it's an Italian boat. The boat yard is actually Kent, or the design is actually Cantiere del Parma, and you wouldn't have. There's not many of America. It's a, a boat that's really designed for the Mediterranean and Mediterranean cruising, really. But there's a handful of them on, on Yacht World in America. So when did you start sailing on this boat? We started sailing on uh, the Sea Wolf in January 2015, and I bought the boat in on Christmas, December of 2014, and we moved aboard on the 1st. And our first journey was uh, about a month later. We left to, to go to Key West, Florida. And it's just you and your wife and your dog. Did I hear a child in the background? Yep, me, Bear, and Sarah. Okay, all right. Yeah, my, my baby was in the background, yeah. He was born um, He was born in December of this year. Okay, all right. So uh, we started sailing with our daughter at age six weeks old. She's now five. More power to you. I like to, I like to, like to hear about people that uh, sail with their kids because there's not many of them. So I did a survey of the Georgetown Cruisers Regatta, and I think I estimated uh, about 6% of the boats that went there maybe had kids on them. Did you guys sail before you got the Sea Wolf? Nope. We are not uh, sailors by, uh, I guess, family. We we um, my, I'm, we used to sail small boats with my dad on a lake near where we lived. It's called Lake Nakamixon, outside of Philadelphia. And But that was, you know, maybe a handful of times. We just wanted to really travel a lot, and uh, we didn't want to give up having our dog. And so it was either, you know, give up the dog, which wasn't an option, and fly on planes or you know sit, cruise around in a sailboat and so i looked on youtube and watched a couple of the youtubers that uh go out and do it and i said look honey we can totally do this <laughs> she said in me like point blank just no we're not doing that and i had to you know really do a lot of research and reassure my wife that, that we're not going to die you know you're not going to have to like basically camp on the water as some cruisers do you know, we had to, she had to, you know, it wasn't like a deal breaker, but we, she definitely had to have running water and, you know, have a hot shower once in a while, which is, you know, some cruisers think that's a luxury item, but for us it was, you know, a necessary, a necessary item for sure. You guys got the boat in December and you moved aboard in January. Uh, when did you start cruising? We started cruising right at the end of January. We left the uh, marina on the... Um, we left the marina right, like, probably the 25th of January, and we cruised down uh, down the Keys. We stopped at Rodriguez Key in Marathon. We stopped in, you know, we stopped in Miami. And then we stopped in Key West. We spent probably about two weeks, maybe three weeks, down in Key West. That really, you know, the anchoring out in Key West was no good, so we didn't like that. So we, we popped into a marina for a week, and our friends visited us. Then we sailed back up to Miami to wait to cross the Gulf Stream to go into the Bahamas, and that was our first, you know, international cruising experience. We crossed we crossed the Gulf Stream with the uh, with the couple Wes and Kate from the Wicked Salty. We met up with them in Miami, and you know, we waited for a good weather window, and we crossed together. It was pretty cool. All right, so that's our episode thirteen guests, Wes and Kate from Wicked Salty. So you guys were kind of 
around Florida and the Bahamas the same time we were too. If you cross with them, maybe let's see. Yeah. Probably a little later. You left. You left Pennsylvania in January. We know we 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 moved aboard the boat in Florida. So oh we oh, the boat Florida was in, in Florida. January. Okay. We were just, uh, in a marina. Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, where in Florida? It, it was in Pompano Beach. Okay. Right, just north of Fort Lauderdale. Okay, so pretty close to crossing, anyways. Our shakedown cruise, yeah. you know, was pretty much just sailing to Key West, you know, sailing the two hundred miles to get to Key West and and sailing back. But that really wasn't not even a long distance either. The boat was pretty much ready to go. I mean, cruising wise, what we really needed, I, you know, I installed the archway on the back of our boat. Um, and if you've seen pictures of the Sea Wolf, you'll see arch. There's an archway on the back where we hang our boat on on the you know on the back archway, and also on top of the archway is two solar panels. That wasn't there. We had to put the solar panels on. I had to put the davits for the dinghy. I had to put the blocks, you know, to be able to haul the dinghy out of the water. We had to um, upgrade our inverter. We had to change out the the hot water heater. A couple other things, you know, we had to get done to the boat to get it ready to to go. But, I mean, that was nothing major, really, other than the archway. But that still wasn't even major. Yeah, I, you know, I've been sweating for the last month or so. And I, the thought of installing hot water seems crazy. But we, we do have a hot water heater on our boat, too. You, you did not have a hot water heater? No, we, we do. We do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not welcome, though. It's not welcome? Why? Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's June in... Uh, 13 degrees north latitude yeah i mean right now it's definitely hot down there and you really don't need it it's just yeah honestly, in january you might times, need it you might need it in the bahamas yeah. you might feel cold i was cold yeah, in, in january in the bahamas yeah in the bahamas it's not warm i mean it, it's it's cool it's you know during the day it can be 75 degrees or 70 degrees with a breeze it gets a little chilly and then down in the nighttime i mean it get down to 65 60 degrees that's that's kind of cold and it's nice after you know being a little chilly on deck to to go down below and be able to take a hot shower and crawl into a nice warm bunk totally i get so, it but once we got south you know once we got south you know past like cuba i mean then it was just hot and hot and hot and hot i mean we were in Colombia in august that was hot <laughs> that was just very hot cartagena is just no wind just burning heat that's when you need your generator with air conditioning that's for sure okay so let's let's uh kind of go back to the you said you crossed the gulf stream the wicked salty cruise so did you go to uh, north cat key mm-hmm. okay and then you did you go down the exumas after that no when we crossed the gulf stream we went right to bimini okay i sailed straight from miami right into bimini okay that's what we did bimini we uh we stayed in Bimini for about a week before we moved on to uh, the Berry Islands. Did you just stay kind of south berries, or did you go up and down them? Uh, in Bimini, we anchored on the southern. We anchored um, on the southern part of Bimini. We didn't go. We didn't go south. No, we stayed like around Bimini Island, and then we anchored. Um, we anchored north of Bimini near. I forget what the the, the the lighthouse there is. It's called like North Rock or something, and we anchored near there before. Uh, motoring motor slash sailing to uh the berry islands i forget which um 
I don't have my charts or any of my maps. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we sailed over to the Barrier Islands and we, we dropped anchor over there three, four weeks in the Barrier Islands, which was cool. Cool. It sounds like you probably have a fairly deep draft boat since you went north of Bimini, right? Yeah, yeah. We had. I, I stayed. I was afraid to go across the um, Great Bahama Bank. Yeah, it's the bank. Great mm-hmm. Bahama. You can sail from Bimini right to Nassau, or right to right to. Um, uh, I forget which key it is, but um, let me just pull up a map. Supposedly, you can sail across us with our seven foot keel, but we weren't. I wasn't willing really to risk it. I um. Oh no! Yeah, seven foot. I wouldn't do it. Look, looking back, we probably could have. probably could have done it, but. No, yeah, I wouldn't. Do I wasn't it. gonna risk it on my first my first journey out of the, uh, you know, out of America. It's too much. So you really like Great Harbor K? It's just the longest, most beautiful beach, in, in most of the Bahamas, honestly, all the places we went to. Yeah, Great Harbor K is really beautiful. There's a couple wrecks around there where I dove as well. And for bear, there's a there's a you know what we really liked about it too. There's a there's a uh, bar. I forget what it's called. Oh, yeah, it's called the Beach Bar. The Beach Bar and Grill, and they have open Wi-Fi. Well, not open. They have a code for Wi-Fi. And you can actually, and even we, even with a seven-foot keel, we used yards from the uh, from the bar. We anchored. And I, I have a Wi-Fi extender, so I could pick up the Wi-Fi pretty good. It was good. We stayed there for a while because I had good Wi-Fi. <laughs> that's, prob- that's probably, like, what dictated where we anchored most of the time. I mean, if I sniffed out some Wi-Fi, I would just, like, been close to shore <laughs> to uh, to be able to you know have some good Wi-Fi. So yeah, you know, even with the seven foot keel, we managed. It was okay. It's tempting to stay where we are right now because the Wi-Fi is so good where we're anchored. So <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so you're in you're in, I'm in, in uh, Providencia. Providencia, you yeah. said right? And you visited Providencia, is that right? So you you're not on a boat, are you? Or are you? Um, yeah, you I'm on a boat. Okay, so you did you sail from, from where did you sail from the Cuba right to right to Providence or did you stop at Cayman Islands or we we did not stop in the Cayman Islands because they don't allow dogs that have been to Cuba. Yeah, I know. We found that out the hard way. <laughs> oh yeah, what <laughs> happened? Anyways. What happened? Okay, so what happened there? That's kind of funny. I never really went into it on the uh, on the the YouTube series. That's going to be like. Our our, uh, our intermission um, episodes between the two seasons. So when we got there, we uh, you know I, I checked into the Bahamas and I checked into Cuba, but I wasn't really thinking too much about like you know dog. And so we got through everything. We carried firearms and they you know they counted up the firearms and whatever, and that wasn't an issue. And, uh, and when they came to the dog, they were like, okay, um, gave them the paperwork for the dog. And then basically the guy was like, you know, he called the, the like the commander of their their customs, and they said, um, yeah, your dog has been to Cuba, and uh, even if you didn't tell us you went to Cuba, um, you have to get a permit from the University of Missouri. This one doctor has to like blood samples months before you ever, you know, go to go to Cayman Islands. So basically, if you are going to Cayman Islands with a dog. You, it, like unless you sail right there and you've been planning for months just to go there and you're going to stay there for a long time, you can't bring a dog in the, in the Cayman Islands. Long story short, we spent a month and a half in Cayman Islands, but what we did was they said to us, you have to keep the dog on the boat. During the day, the dog stayed on the boat, and you know that was that was it. 
Yeah, I, if I thought I could have got it away without them quarantining the dog uh, and keeping him on the boat, I would have gone to the Cayman Islands. But when I spoke to them over the phone, they were like they would quarantine him or put him down. So we brought our dog, we sailed right from Cuba to Cayman, and they basically, they made our dog stay on the, um, on the boat. And during the day, so what we had to do was we had to, we were regulated to keep the dog on the sea wolf during the day. And then at nighttime, basically we just broke the rules and we're bringing her to shore and have her run around on the beach and take her for walks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just to run up and down the beach. Well, that sounds good. Uh, that sounds a lot better than uh, they made out the situation to me over the oh, phone. No, they're, they're, no, they, they, they are crazy. That's not the whole story. So <laughs> what ended up happening was we had a crewmate with me, a guy named Dave. He was there. He came down. Oh, I found on crew binder. And he came down to watch our boat because Sarah was uh, pregnant at the time and she needed to go home and get a um, ultrasound for her pregnancy. What ended up happening was we Sarah flew out and then I flew out the next day. I get a phone call two days later when I'm in America and it was from the Cayman Islands like customs and, and, and animal control. Uh-oh. So what ended up happening was Dave, Dave went to shore and like just tied her up with like a rope on the deck, which wasn't enough. She needs like a chain. And what happened was there, our dog jumped off the boat at anchor and swam to shore. And because our dog is so so unique looking and so like, look, that's a wolf. I mean, the people on the island, it's a small island. Someone was like, I know that dog. That dog, you know, custom agent gave, you know, phone called the, the correct people was like, you know, that dog's not supposed to be sure. Well, I get a phone call and they call me up and saying, hey, you got, you know, 24 hours to, to get, come and get your dog out of animal control or animal, you know, whatever, or else we're going to destroy the dog because she's not supposed to be on land. And so I'm in America and so we were at the set to fly home within like 36 hours fly back to the boat within 36 hours so I said to the guy I said listen you know I'm gonna we have a flight tomorrow evening not 24 hours but it's you know we're gonna be back for the next day so would you please just hold the dog a little longer we'll go be there and get it so we we flew in and literally they 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 took the dog they drove uh, drove the dog to the dock government dock there and basically would not hand the dog over to us until we had like checked out because we were leaving anyways we checked out the country you know did everything retrieved our, our arms got back from the uh our guns back from the uh customs and then only when our boat was turned on our lines were cast away did they hand over the dog and then they pulled out a video camera and said this is to make sure that we see you leave the country <laughs> And they, uh, they, 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 like, waved goodbye, and that was it. We sailed away. <laughs> okay, so I guess yeah. they're not sending you any Christmas cards. No, 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 no. Cayman Islands is definitely not, like, I wouldn't say they're cruiser friendly. Right. I mean, they don't, they don't really like cruisers. I got that impression. Um, they like you to come in, spend a lot of money, to get out bringing, like, big, big bucks, whatever. We have some friends there. We had a good time. Trevor got to run around. We got to, to do some great scuba diving in Canaan, which is beautiful. Um, and then we then we rolled out. We sailed right to uh, Guanaja from there. 
Where's Guanaja? Guanaja is on the Bay Islands of Honduras. The north, north of Honduras, there's a chain of islands about 60 miles from land. Yeah. And uh, it's got you got Roatan, you mm-hmm. got Maha, Utila, and um, there's some of my there's some of our favorite places. Honestly, Guanaja uh, is an awesome place. Great scuba diving, very low key. I think Nike Steiger on episode 14 was saying that that was one of her favorite places that I didn't ask her about, of White Spot Pirates. Yeah, yeah. yeah we just missed her when we when she pulled in when we left. I think we were like a day apart. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an awesome place. I would recommend any cruiser to go to Guanaja. Not so much Rotan. Rotan's kind of like a tourist trap. But Guanaja is just... It's like a little hole in the wall. It's beautiful. With like mountains and, you know, got great supplies there, great provisions. Pretty cool. And the fuel dock there, we know the owner. He's a really nice guy. And he lets us stay on the fuel dock like overnight. <laughs> so that was cool. All right. It's got some nice anchorages. Yeah, it's got really nice protected little anchorages. It's got this cool little uh, German restaurant. That, that's where everyone that's where everyone else anchors. We anchored like a little bit farther away. Yeah, it's got nice anchorages, protected, you know, very calm. Uh, yeah, it's really nice. You did, you definitely need a good dinghy though. Okay. You know, because to get to the get to the little island where like everybody lives, um, it's a little bit far from where the good anchorage spots are. Oh, okay. So maybe a two horsepower Honda is not enough. No, so if you're anchoring Providencia, you anchored, um, you anchored on, in, like, in the bay, where the, uh, where the main dock is? Yeah, we're in, uh, between, we're right next to the main dock. We're the, the first boat to the main dock, between Santa Catalina Island and Providencia. So we're probably 100 yards or less. You're right between the two islands, right? Ca- um, Catalina Island and the other one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we spent about a month at Anchorage there. That was awesome. That was so beautiful. Do you do, do you do a lot of spear fishing or uh, or diving? Well, you know, I kind of bought the spear fishing kit, and then I just haven't done it. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're really great, like all all around there. And, cool. Uh, you know, around Catalina, there's really really great snorkeling and diving and spear fishing. We caught some nice fish there. A lot of bugs, a lot of a uh, lot of lobster around there. Oh yeah, I read somewhere you're not supposed to take the lobsters, only the locals, but maybe you could get away with it. Oh yeah. They never, they, I don't know, they never said anything to me. You checked in with Mr. Bush, right? Yeah, we just talked to Mr. Bush. I was surprised they were not interested in the dog at all. Was that your experience? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Bush doesn't care about the dog. Yeah. He doesn't care at all. He's a nice man. He would remember us if you uh, if you mentioned him to us. Or us to him. Remember the sea wolves. When were you there? What month? We were there in Providencia. I think September. September last year. Okay. In Providencia. So you were in the Honduras Bay of Islands. What time of year? In Pro- I think it was like August of last year. Okay, so you went you went from the Bay of Islands to Providencia. Was that the way you did it? 
Yeah, we went to straight from Honduras, yeah, the Bay Islands, right to Providencia. All right, and then from Providencia, you go into Cartagena, or? Yeah, we sailed straight to Cartagena from Providencia. How many days sail is that? That was about three and a half days. Okay. I think, I think it was three nights out there. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's like 380 or 400 miles or something. So did did the low give you problems? The Colombian low? Or did you pick a nice window? No, I just, I mean, we picked a decent window. We was tacking the whole way. I mean, we didn't actually tack, but we were... We sailed really high on the wind, and we sailed just one straight reach. I mean, all the way there, you know, just, it was right, the wind was nearly on the nose, but, I mean, our boat, it points really high, so, you know, we let it point as high as it needed to point. I mean, even if we were, if, even if we were going farther east than southeast, mm-hmm. we let it, you know, because, it, you know, we were waiting for the wind to change, so, but we, uh, we were able to do it. I mean, we made it really, really fast. I think we... You know, we averaged like 150 miles a day, so we, we we got there pretty quick. It wasn't that comfortable because it was, you know, really healed over, but it was nice enough. Colombia is uh, kind of like Cuban that you have to check into every port, is that right? Yeah, but when you get to Cartagena, it's it's more of a, just a formality. You um, you talk to this guy there. At the, uh, if you go to Cartagena, you go into um, Club Nautico. And uh, and um, really nice facilities there. They just renovated the whole place. I'm actually about to release a video of a review of the facilities there. And um, they uh, yeah, they just have an agent that like is there every single day. And he basically just he doesn't even need your passport. You just like hand him your uh, your like exit paper, and that's it. And he just like looks at it, and then I think you give him like a hundred bucks at the end of the day. Or I think it was like you definitely have to pay for your permanent exit paper. You know, once you leave, or once you leave, like Colombian waters for good. Yeah. Let you me know, ask you, uh, how much um, did you end up paying Mr. Bush? Just, <laughs> and I'll tell you what I'm paying him. Yeah. Do you remember? When we checked, I know it was a couple hundred bucks. I don't remember exactly though. Oh, okay. So maybe we I got a maybe we got a good deal. We got 180 for just the 180. Yeah, because I remember like per per passenger, you have to pay like you know, a hundred, hundred dollars or something. Well, you have to get like a tourist card, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, a, like we had to pay like, like, like 180 and then the boat with three people had to pay 210 so we thought maybe it's like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that was about, that sounds about right because we had three people and we checked in there. Pretty you know, I think my listeners, a lot of them really like, are interested in Cuba. And uh, so they'd be kind of interested in your Cuba cruise. How did you get to Cuba? Okay, so we sailed from Key West straight to Cuba. Right from, oh, no, we didn't. We sailed from Key West to Fort Jefferson, which is the Tortugas. And then we sailed from the Tortugas to to right into Havana, right into um, uh, Marina Hemingway. So you did the Bahamas cruise and then you came back. Is that it? So you went to the Berries? Yeah, yeah, we came did you go to the Exumas, or yeah, did you just? Had, where did you go in the yeah, Bahamas? No, we, we went down the. Okay. We went down all the way to the Exumas, down to Long Island. We went down to um, right before uh, Turks and Caicos. We were actually on our way to Turks and Caicos, and uh, my my jib stay 
the um, the piece of metal that holds, you know, your jib to the front of your boat. Um, that broke. You know, that was really crazy. I mean, I could have lost my mask, but I had a little. I have a little baby stay that holds. You know, it only goes up maybe 15 feet on my mast on a 65 foot mast, and that held my mast. So, but I mean, I had 130 percent jib just, you know, flying in, in 20 knot wind. I had to cut it away, and it fell into the ocean, and then I, like, retrieved and folded it, and, like, kind of put it on the deck, and that kind of nixed our, um, nixed our plans, because we were actually going the other way. Sorry about that. We were going to do Church and Caicos, then DR, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico, and, you know, that way. So once that happened, we were just like, uh, looks like we're going to have to go back to America, because I looked up boat yards and Church and Caicos, and I really didn't want to, you know... I really didn't want to mess with it. And also, we were having issues with our dinghy, our stupid PVC dinghy, like, fell apart on us. We just decided to turn the engine on, and we just motored right all the way back, stopped it, like, you know, stopped a few times, stopped in Nassau for, like, a week. But, um... Did you make any Did you make any repairs to the four-stay in Nassau or on your way before you went to the U.S.? Besides having the baby stay? I took a, uh, a two-inch ratchet strap, and I ratchet strapped my, uh my drum, my furler, to my, uh, front, to my anchor, my anchor, um, no, my bow sprite. There's, like, an anchor hook there. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. really, like, strong point, and I, I ratchet strapped that really tight. Well, it sounded like it worked. So, it was I like... I was able to give tension back on the backstay, because I have a hydraulic backstay. So, that was just, like, a, uh, like a patch job. Um, you know, but I looked around, honestly, I didn't really want to do... It worked. I mean, I didn't... It sounded like it worked to get you back to the States. Long Island's a long ways from the states. Nassau is a long ways from where you had the four-stay break. Yeah, yeah, a couple hundred miles for sure. Yeah, I keep saying again, it's very, very, very important, even on a sailboat, to have a good motor because sometimes you just need to turn the engine on and be able to trust it for hundreds of miles. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we motored, we motored all the way back. I mean, I put up a little bit of a sale uh, for part of the trip, but then I was like, you know, what am I doing? Like, why am I going to risk, like, losing my mast if, you know, I if I have a good engine? So I just mowed it all the way back to, uh, to Fort Lauderdale, and we, we made the repairs in, um, in uh, what is it, Lake Sylvia in Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, you know, I bought a new dinghy there. I made a couple upgrades to the boat, which were needed, because we... Our Bahama cruise was really, those two months over in the Bahamas, that was, that was our, like, shakedown. I mean, that really taught us. You know, and then we, then we decided once we went to Fort Lauderdale, you know what, let's just go south. Like, I don't know. Let's do Cuba. Let's go the, let's go the other way. And that's where we decided to go the other way. All right, so you went into Hemingway, and then you, did you go east or you go west? Yeah, we went west. Okay, so you'd... Did you kind of do that in several nights, or did you just do it in all in one hop? No, uh, we did it in several nights. We um, we we anchored a couple places um, on the north coast. I think we anchored twice. I just broke it up. I think we did like eighty miles or a hundred miles a day or something. Um, like maybe twelve hours a day of like sailing. Really nice sailing up there. Did you um, stay inside then, the reef, or did you did you stay did you go out? Did you stay inside the reef, or did you go back in and out of the reef a lot? Um, we went back in and out of the reef on the north side. On the north, mostly we just jumped in. We anchored on the, on the um, we anchored inside the reef, but we sailed on the outside because I wasn't trying to 
I mean, if you look on the chart, like, those charts, first of all, the charts are just not accurate at all. So, um... Yeah, it depends know, on which charts you have. Far out. I found the Garmin was awful. Yeah, uh, Navionics was okay, and NV charts was much charts better. Charts I have were just out of date. I have Navionics, and they just ran yeah. out. So. I mean, I had some paper charts I was using that was a little more accurate, but um, I didn't want to risk it. I mean, I have a seven-foot heel, so I'm just being, like, paranoid when you have, yeah. you know, when you're in a DQ. So uh, I just, um, you know, whenever I'm going into a new anchorage, I hear people, like, bottoming, bottoming it out and, and like, like, you know, getting caught on rocks and coral. It's like, when I'm going into an anchor, I don't know. I'm going 0.5 knots. I am going so slow that if I begin to touch something, I throw it in reverse and I try a new route. When you have a deep boat, you're going to hit stuff all the time. I mean, unless you, if you want to go into nice anchor. I mean, we anchored all over, all over Are Bahamas you? where people said, you can't get in there. I'm like, okay. Went in on high tide and went out on high tide. Okay, so then you, you went around Cabo San Antonio, then did you go straight to the, what is it? Yeah, we... The Bay Islands? We went to Maria LaGorda. Oh, okay, from, yeah. From Cabo San Antonio. Maria LaGorda is a really nice, I was actually impressed, really nice anchorage, um, and it's like a resort there. You know, they the Cubans, they would always hail me whenever you were in sight of a town or anything. The, the part of the frontera, they... You know they they call you out on channel uh, channel sixty eight. What are you doing? Who are you? And, but you just say, yeah, I'm just you know we're just sailing all along. We have a cruising crew. We're on our way to the next port. And they said, okay, Buenos noches. Have a good night. That was our last. That was our last port in Cuba. I find that so funny yeah. because the Garda never hailed me. Never in our whole trip in Cuba. <laughs> And even when I would hail them, they would not oh, really? respond. Yeah, so so everybody gets a different experience. I mean, yeah, but I'd heard other really people that the Garda would find them. The right, the Garda would see them or see them on AIS or something, and they would uh, they would get hailed. But we never got hailed, and we were never able to hail the Garda. <laughs> yeah, no, we. Uh, it depends on how far, how close you get to the land i guess i mean or how close you are to the to the to the like the, the resort i mean we were we were 200 yards off the dock yeah. at maria laborda um so you know but then yeah we sailed right from maria laborda straight to cayman islands okay so that was a really beautiful sail it was downwind we had like a like a northern wind or i don't even remember but it was downwind sailing and that was just, we made, I think we averaged nine knots with all wind behind us, flat boat. Sounds nice. Flat, I remember that being the night that sailed, the nice pass we ever did. All right, so that's where we'll break uh, with our interview with Dominique Trulove. The rest of the interview, it's available for anyone that pledges uh, a dollar or more on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. So check out... Dominique and Sarah's channel on YouTube under SVC Wolf. I'm sure you'll be glad you did. Next week, we're going to have Trey Benefield of Blue Moon Adventures talk to us about how he bought a boat in St. Martin in the Eastern Caribbean and sailed it to Australia 
to take advantage of the price differences between uh, boats being much more uh, expensive in Australia versus uh, the U.S. or the Caribbean. As I mentioned, Trey is offering a $200 discount to any person who signs up for one of his charter trips if they mention they heard about it on this podcast. So you definitely would want to take advantage of that. He does some charters in some pretty exotic locations, as you will learn uh, in the next episode. And we kind of had a long discussion, so I think we'll definitely have a bonus episode with Trey, and maybe we'll put a second part of his episode uh, down the line. You know what I like about charters is that they typically have pretty flexible schedules, so if the weather's not great or conditions aren't great, you don't have to go as far on your charter trips. You know, I guess I'm a little bit more skeptical about these kind of offshore passage type trips. You know, having done, uh, I guess we did the Pensacola to St. Petersburg leg, the Venice to Cuba leg, and the Cuba to Providencia leg, and then this latest leg from... Providencia to Panama, at all those times, I was waiting for a weather window, and I could not have decided on the trip I was doing months in advance, because that would have meant that I would be going out in all weathers, and, you know, I guess I'm a little bit skeptical about these kind of two-week offshore passage trips that are booked months in advance, compared to charters. With the charter, you know, if the weather's not great, you just don't go as far, but if you got an offshore passage trip that you've paid thousands of dollars for, people have flown in for, you know, I just think you're kind of setting yourself up for some really uh, tough conditions, and you take all the flexibility out of sailing that cruisers take advantage of. That, you know, cruisers are going to, they're going to, wait if conditions are not right, and I don't think you can do that with an offshore passage trip. I also think, you know, there are a lot of captains out there that are doing deliveries that will give you uh, a relatively better deal on an offshore passage because they want to have crew to do watches, and they'll probably have you maybe split your food or something like that instead of a much higher daily charge. So, to keep up to date with the adventures of the slow boat uh, or my musings on all things boating related, go to Facebook slash slow boat sailing or the slow boat to Bahamas page. If you go in the search box, you can connect with us on Twitter at slow boat sailing. Check out our show notes at slowboatsailing.com. You can get a $15 discount off your next $200 purchase at West Marine. If you go to slowboatsailing.com, hit the link to West Marine. You do need to get that link to get the discount and put in the Provo code WMAFF, which is also there at slowboatsailing.com. You may also want to check out my books, How to Sail Around the World Part Time. 
which tells you why I wanted to sail to Panama this year. And woohoo! Hooray, I did it! And uh, also slow boat to the Bahamas about our trip in 2015 to the turquoise blue beautiful waters of the Bahamas. Let your friends know about the podcast, spread the word, and thank you for all those that have already spread the word. We've seen a great growth in the, the listenership since we started. So listening to this interview uh, here in Panama, there were a couple things I wanted to clarify. I didn't follow up with uh, Dominique's departure from Maria Lagorda, but it's my understanding that Maria Lagorda on the southern coast of Cuba is not a port of entry and exit. So if you want to zarp, you won't be able to get it from Maria Lagorda. The other thing that I think Dominique mentioned, I learned after spending a couple weeks after we talked in Providencia, was that Santa Catalina Island has wonderful reefs and they have signs on the island that say no fishing. So I think it's a nature preserve. And also the area on the east side, huge trapezoidal area uh, by the snorkeling grounds of Crab Key is also a nature preserve and there's no fishing. But I I think there's a lot of other places where you probably can fish, although uh, I did ask uh, Mr. Bush, who's in the interview, about fishing and he tried to dissuade me from doing it. I'm not sure he was saying that it was uh, illegal in all places, but he he, just, he was worried that we'd get bit by a shark, I think. <laughs> so uh, he's kind of a character. Thanks a lot for listening. Goodbye for now and have some fun on the water. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.